Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, universal, beautiful star stuff. How are you today? How's your mind treating you? I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are doing well, that you're happy, that you are full of self-worth and self-love, and you're not beating yourself up. I did that last week. It was no good. Um, So I hope that you're not doing that, and I hope that you're happy, and you're healthy, and you're well, and you have friends, and you're taken care of, and you're inspired. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. We have an amazing one with you. We have Kim Fisk. She is the author of the new book, The Monster Under the Bed, Uncovering the Lie That Drives Us. And this podcast is excellent. This hits the meat and potatoes on why we're crappy to ourselves and where this unconscious programming comes from. I love this podcast. It was It's so practical. It's meaningful. Um, it's useful. And everybody should listen to it. So we're going to uncover and discuss a lot of things. We are going to talk about what that lie is, that underlying lie that drives us. We're going to talk about your principles, self-actualization, listening to understand and to be understood and not to be understood, just listening to other people to try to understand them and connecting with people. Um... Seeking understanding, fear is the is a precursor to death. So we kind of explore fear and hold that whole thing. Uh, we explore perfectionism, winning. Uh, why are we the product of our emotional brains? Uh, the ten monster tracks, which one of them is pain and blame and shame. Uh, people pleasing so we we start to discuss those all of this is very practical useful information that you can apply to yourself uh, your life right now so you're gonna love it if you want to support the podcast share this podcast please it's good share it um if you want to um but even better than that if you want to support this podcast take the kindness challenge hashtag kindness challenge and all you're gonna do is three acts of kindness Don't tell anybody other than letting them know you're taking the challenge. Don't label each individual act of kindness. Say I'm taking the kindness challenge. Three acts of kindness a day for one week. Go out of your way to do it. Don't tell anybody Um, the the kinds of, you know what I mean? If I were like, oh, I I picked up this guy and I walked up across the street and I paid it forward here. Try to limit those. But you can say, yeah, man, I did an act of kindness. Here's an example. Um, You you don't want to boast about it. That's kind of how you ruin the energy. So um, please take the kindness challenge. Do one act of kindness and then let me know you're taking it because I know if one person takes it um, i'm like yay it's working or at least do one act of kindness today so getting a person's name counts picking up a piece of trash counts uh paying it forward counts writing a friend a letter or somebody you don't know a letter of kindness counts uh listening to somebody counts um so much stuff counts you know what i mean it's it's loose just do three acts of kindness go out of your way to do it if you give a homeless person a buck and you get their name bam that's two and one baby um so <laughs> if you go to the if you go to get a coffee and you and you get the person's name and say hey what's your name oh great hey can i buy two coffees and we'll gift it to somebody coming up that's two right there and then if you talk to the person behind you and say hey what's your name and you meet them boom that's an act of kindness too because we are so um on our phones and we're disconnected to our community just say hello
hello to somebody, bam, you know, you're out there doing it. So please take that um, challenge, kindness challenge, um, accept the challenge, let me know you accepted it, and that's the best way you can support the show. The other things you can do is share it. You can leave a review in iTunes. That is pure gold because there's a lot of podcasts out there. It helps with the rankings, all that kind of magical stuff. Um, I want to thank so much to CK who left this one, which says, a gift from podcast heaven. Everything you could want all wrapped up in a beautiful, positive bubble of information, insight, fun, and amazing conversations and inspiring ideas. The people Matt has on his podcast have such interesting and inspiring information, and I really love that there are extras included, like the meditations and so forth. So thank you for leaving that review. It, it helps. It's awesome. I, that's a great review. I appreciate that. Um, and what else? Uh, okay, so go to mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list. Now, if you're on the email list, you'll have noticed I haven't sent you an email in a long time. That's because I'm swamped and I'm doing my best. So if anybody wants to help me, that would be great because uh, a couple of people have reached out, but I need like an administrative assistant, web person. I need so much help. It's ridiculous, but I'm getting there and I'm, I'm, I'm busting these out. And it's all good, but help would be certainly great. Um, David Lone Bear needs some help too. This guy is a Native American elder. If you're listening to what I'm saying, holy smokes, that guy is something else. Um, he has a 20,000-year lineage. He's offering technology um, and information and teachings that, for the first time, to the non-natives, they're really spectacular. Check him out, David Lone Bear Senapass. Uh, ancient Echoes on Facebook, or Distant Ancient Echoes on Facebook. Also, AloneBearsArts.com. Uh, support him. You can reach out to me if you want to hear him speak or Clifford speak. Uh, very, very small team. We're doing our best. It is a lot, so any help from anyone, uh, we appreciate you. And a couple people have reached out, so thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, my God, thank you. That's <laughs> so helpful. So thank you. Um, you can check out Zen Athlete. It's a fantastic book. Gift that to somebody. It's a guide to self-mastery. People who've read it, they love it because it's the best tools in personal development that I've learned in my life to achieve what I've done and, and work with some of the best athletes, entrepreneurs, uh, and simple and applicable. So, you know, it takes you zero to 100 real quick. And if you use them, you're going to elevate your life. It's law of attraction, consciousness, spirituality, Zen, all wrapped in one. Uh, it could be music, business, entrepreneurship, doesn't matter. So read it, gift it around. Um, if you're looking for some coaching, I'm doing more heart journey uh, hypnosis activations and as well as one-on-one -on -one coaching and basically the process is getting you crystal clear on who you are what you want out of life what fulfills you what your passions are designing a life um, removing limiting beliefs which we have uncovering the limiting beliefs that we don't want through different techniques so we're empowering ourselves to have the quickest and easiest route but it's usually not quick and easy so we empower you with the perspective of wholeness and completion from wherever you are in the process and it's more about how navigating the waters in a direction that you're choosing in a fulfilling way um, so it's an interesting process and if you're ready to take it um, go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and I'm happy to assist you in your journey so tons of love and appreciation to you I um, always am so humbled by having your time and having your ear I know how valuable it is and how much stuff is out there so thank you thank you thank you for being here I appreciate you. And before we get into this episode, let's come to a state, state of peace and coherence um, and then spread those good vibes as far and wide. So wherever you are in the world, just stop whatever you're doing. Take it in a deep breath in through your nose, holding the breath at the top and just imagining powerful gold and platinum crystal light coming down from the universe, just universal source energy. And that breath inside you is life force energy that breathes within you. See this energy pulse through your body and just let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the task lists, just coming fully present right now. Taking another deep breath in through your nose. And now I just want you to imagine a peaceful world. Uh, you living your dreams, you living your passions, you living with everything that you need. Just get really excited. Hold that breath and just one thing that you're grateful for and one thing that you just want to call in um, and know that you can have it and just feel excited and, and happy about this thing. 
and then just let that breath out slowly with all the cares all the worries and all the doubts and all the self-criticisms like you can't have it you can totally have it um, take it one more deep breath in through your nose and now just magnifying this feeling of gratitude of creation and i want you to send out that energy of positivity of encouragement to your friends to your family to all the podcast listeners and i'm sending you all of my energy my love my support my encouragement my inspiration my well wishes everything my i am to support you and who you are in your journey for you to remember your whole perfect balanced enough amazing just as you are and to send out that energy to the entire world to your community to everybody you've ever met send it out to your country send it out to the galaxy to past present future and just know that you are making a difference that you are connected each little step each act of kindness you being here is more than enough so thank you so much for coming on this episode i am so excited you're here and we are going to rock this one because kim is amazing so let's get into it with the incredible kim fisk Hello and welcome to another episode of the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a respected professional keynote speaker, life coach, author, and thought leader. She is sought after for her ability to convey to audiences provocative concepts and practical ways to deal with what she has coined as the monster under the bed. She has been able to change the way people view their relationships, career, life goals, and journey by giving them the ability to acknowledge their proverbial monster while providing mechanisms for coping with it. Her blend of pure authenticity, professional and intuitive down-to-earth nature makes her ability to help people evolve to a greater place of self-actualization and reflection. Her enthusiasm, humor, insights, and passion for life combined with her practical experience and applications can help show individuals how to make life the best it can be and one that is further enriched. Welcome to the show, Kim Fisk. Hey, Matthew. Is it Matthew or Matt? What do I call you? I don't have your bio in front of me. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, Matt, you know, no one's ever called me Matthew, so you could try that. It would just be different. Your so, mom, when she's mad, doesn't call you Matthew? Pretty much. That's about, yeah. Usually if it's Matthew, it's not ideal. That's been the, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Okay, Matt, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to have you. You know, I'm excited to, um, you know, dive into your book because I, I read the bio and I looked at your work and we had a little chat coming in and you just seem, yeah, like exactly as your bio reads. So, um, I guess I'll start out with how I usually do the podcast is like, how did you get into what you're doing today? You know, what inspired you to write the book? Um, obviously, you speak around the world about different concepts. So how did you get into all of this? And, and what are you looking to share with the book and what you speak and, and what you do? Well, uh, how I got into this is actually the book has kind of pulled me into another aspect of the world uh, that I haven't been in. But what I have been doing for the past 25, 30 years is a combination of relationship marketing, network marketing. So I've built a big team there where I've practiced and actually gained a lot of the insights just from coaching all different types of people, different genders, different uh, socioeconomic situations. And, um, and then also a mixture of, I grew up doing um, singing and performing, and then I directed large groups, choirs, um, theater. And uh, so it's interesting, just I've been, I've been a, uh, kind of a scientist just gathering data. I'm just so interested in people and how they tick and what, what causes certain 
certain behaviors in myself, starting with myself, obviously, and then watching the commonalities, the common denominators of everyone I've worked with, or just my friends, even just in social environments, or just eavesdropping in a coffee shop, because I love people, right? I just love to go, wow, that's really interesting how, you know, fill in the blank. And then, so that has led me to the current uh, book, which is called, I'm going to, you said the, the first part of it, The Monster Under the Bed. The subtitle really addresses more about what the book is about, because that just sounds like a kid's book, really. And there is a kid's book called that. The subtitle is Uncovering the Lie That Drives Us. And that's really what it's about, because Matt, no matter who, I mean, I can't think of really, maybe I've thought of a handful of people if I have to think really hard, but pretty much everyone I've ever worked with spoken to at a dinner party or a coaching, a business or a life coaching conversation. And no matter how successful outwardly anybody is, how put together they are, everyone seems to have this thought, this feeling inside them that I'm not okay. Like I'm not, something's just not quite right. <laughs> you know, um, some people have worked through a lot of that, but there's just that little voice. And and it just intrigued me. It's like, really? You too? You have that? You have that? You have that? Uh, what, what I know is you can't trust what anything looks like on the outside <laughs> um, because I'm incredibly surprised at how many people. And so that led me on this little um, journey of discovery. I'm a huge reader. I'm a huge personal development. You know, like all my years in relationship and network marketing, it's just it's just personal development university. You know, you just read, you just listen, go to seminars, you learn how to stop believing your thoughts, all those kinds of things. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what got me into it is just human nature and the study of humans and how they think. That's awesome. I love all that. Well, and that's such an important concept. Um, it reminds me of Greg Braden and he talks about the three universal fears and it's like not, it's like abandonment, uh, not being, uh, loved um, or not being worthy and separation, all of those ideas. And in what I learned, which was fascinating when I was teaching sports psychology to athletes, world-class athletes, um, different levels, when they would sabotage, I know that the conversation would, would go to somewhere around self-worth because mm -hmm. they didn't want to be number one, some sort of like unconscious programming scenario where there was something in there where either they had to be the, it was like, it was weird how their mind would skew it where they had to be the best in some way. But then yep. when we get there, they would sabotage and number two was okay. Or number six was okay. And uh, number, you know, number one, that's where like they would be front and center and they'd have to be worthy of being the best at what they did. So um, I can totally relate to that. And it's, and it's weird how it's so common. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's like everybody deals with it. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't know why. And that, so one of the, one of the purposes and what I've found the last year I've done speaking about the book concepts, you know, kind of preparing, gathering more data for the book itself actually, um, which has been really helpful because, you know, unless you really listen to others and are asking these, like my mind does, I ask these questions about how people and why people think, you just assume everyone thinks like you do, <laughs> you know, and then you're going, wait, what? I don't think like that. Really? You do and you do and you do. So it's really important to, um, to realize number one, not everyone thinks like you. That was a big shocker to me back in the day. And, um, but in asking that question, 
it's, it's really, so the speaking I've done, I've kind of thrown these principles out and I'll share some of these principles obviously today on the show, but um, watching how they're received and watching the processing that people go through about it. Because I remember I did an event a little over a year ago. Um, I don't know, maybe there was two, 300 people in the room, all of, you know, kind of people that knew me and knew some of what I was talking about, but this was a new subject specifically for them. And I was watching and I speak and I'm a speaker and I usually can, I'm a good read of the audience. I can tell from, in fact, I look a lot of times I get my energy more and I go to these places I love inside my, when I'm speaking to this group. Well, after a couple hours of just starting to expound on these principles, I'm not getting the normal, I'm not getting the normal feedback energy wise from the crowd, right? So I stop. <laughs> this is what I do. I'm like, okay, I need to take your pulse. Here we go. And there are no, the only wrong answer you can give is not true. Anything that's not true is the wrong answer. So don't, don't worry about anything. How many of you are kind of confused right now? Cause I wasn't, I'm not used to the feedback I was getting from the audience at all. It was weird. And, and so like several people raised their hand. And I go, how many of you completely disagree with what I'm saying? And I go, and I'm not going to be mad at you or write your name down or kick you out, right? Like you're safe. And no one raised their hand. Well, in my memory, no one, maybe one person did. I don't know. But if I did, I blocked it out. So no one disagreed. And I go, how many of you are just processing what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Like the hands all went up. Like it was such an inch. It was an interesting uh, feedback for me emotionally and energetically. But then since then I've realized when I start doing these principles, so like what maybe I'll do on, on your show here, it's just something to think about. Like I'm not positioning anything as the truth. Like this doesn't have to, I don't have a huge amount of, uh, academia sightings for my, what I'm going to share my metaphor here, but I've read a lot of academia. I've checked with some you know, academic doctors and neuroscientists people about the brain and how it works. They all seem fine with it. But to me, I'd rather people just hold it like a metaphor, like almost a fairy tale and just go, you know, try this idea on and just see, don't worry about agree, disagree. Don't listen. This is what I tell my people I speak to. Don't listen from I agree or I disagree mindset, because then you won't have any ahas. Nothing will, because if you're already listening for what you agree with, well, transformation happens in what you didn't know that you didn't even know, right? Like that's where huge ahas come. But if you're in a mindset of judgment of agree, disagree, you don't, you're already locked in to something. And I don't really care if you agree or disagree. That isn't the scope of what I'm going to talk about. So just see what resonates with you. See if it does. And if it maybe helps you find some relief in what you just mentioned about everyone has it and no one quite understands where it comes from or why they think they want something. And then to your point, they sabotage and, and do something completely illogical. Like it's just like, why did I do that? Because I think I want that, but I didn't, obviously I must not have because I did something different. We all live, if we all did what we knew, we'd be perfect, right? Like if we all did our cerebral brain, what we know to do, we would be perfect people. We already know everything to be perfect. So why aren't we? Because we're not governed by what we know. We're governed by how we're wired. And that's what my book is about. So anyway. That all sounds awesome. I love that. And you know what it, what it, um, brings up for me is the idea of listening to seek understanding rather than like putting through this massive 
filter. So I went through something called uh, the formula for truth by this guy core love uh, a long time ago. And it was really good. And basically it's kind of the idea that, you know, if you've got the X and Y axis and one of them, I like to use like the flat earth and one of them is the round earth, right. Or up and down or positive, just polar opposites. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like re mm -hmm. religion versus atheism, whatever the mm -hmm. case is, just polar opposite. And, and you can take this anywhere in between that. But when somebody's offering you a perspective, a point of view, 99% of us are listening with our filter and finding the things that we resonate with and that we can accept um, and then disregarding the whole thing. But yeah. if you listen rather seeking understanding from their point of view, you have like yeah. this the whole 90 degrees of information rather you're stuck here so maybe at like you know 97.2 degrees you don't believe anything they said you listened intently you were seeking understanding you don't believe anything and resonate with any of it but that one nugget when you try to seek that understanding that's going to be that perspective that point of view that insight that you wouldn't have had otherwise with um listening from a different frame of reference so i think that's a really powerful way to seed any kind of information in the spirit of how you receive the information well and let's say you and i are in that let's say you and i are in this discussion right now right so let's take let's say religion okay let's just say that topic and we won't get specific but let's say that you have a point of view religiously that i am like my my standpoint is completely the opposite you know well let's say you are an atheist and I'm a Christian or something. Okay. Let's just use those as examples. Well, if I'm listening intently to understand you about what you feel, the way you feel of God or, you know, spirituality or whatever that is for you, my heart, if I believe what I'm saying, my heart is going to want to maybe influence you to my point of view too, right? But if I come at you trying to influence you to my point of view, now we're at war. Now we're digging in deeper because I'm listening to prove you wrong. You're listening to prove me. Like that whole setup to your point sets up nobody's being an influence and it's, there's no love present because love only influences. The only influence in the only thing real in the world is love and how I listen to you reflects what I'm up to. Am I listening to prove you wrong? Am I listening to, to with my, maybe my heart is right that I want you to accept God or whatever, but because of that standpoint, I'm completely shooting my whole agenda in the foot because you're just going to dig deeper. And that's what's happening in the world right now. Everybody is digging in deeper Instead of having this conversation, like, and I just did a Facebook Live about this the other day. I'm like, just listen to understand. Stephen Covey, right? Seven Habits. Listen to understand, not to be understood. Because only there, let's say I still completely agree, disagree with you. But guess what now? We had connection from a human, from spirit to spirit. Even if I didn't agree with your philosophy, I loved you. I loved your spirit. My spirit and your spirit had connection and, and some intimacy there. And so if you do want to influence people, maybe to some way of what you're thinking, it starts with that kind of foundation first. Because now at the end of that conversation, you're going to like me, right? You're going to go, wow, I felt heard. I felt like she really, she, and it didn't matter that I didn't agree with what you were saying, because that wasn't the point. I wasn't listening to agree or disagree. I was listening. So you felt heard. And in the, in the political climate we're in right now, specifically, 
if everyone would realize if you want your um, position or your philosophy heard, then listen first. Listen first to theirs because, oh, Matt, anyway, it's one, that was one of the big impetuses of the book, actually, because there was so many damaging, so many polarizing, damaging things happening. Uh, I see it. You see it on social media all the time. But I had people contacting me, grandmothers, let's say my age-ish, saying, you know, if my daughter-in-law knew I voted for Donald Trump, I'd, I would have lost my grandchildren. I would have, I, I would lose everything. If my boss knew that I voted a certain way, if like everybody is so polarizing right now and you've got to think like I do or it's not okay. And that's where we've got to, we've got to shift that energy in the world, I believe. So thank you for what you do. I'm doing my best. Those who have ears to hear, right? So anyway, there you go. That was well, a sidetrack thing, but yeah, no sidetrack, but it was good. Cause what, it, what, um, what it made me think about was the idea of like the two people influencing. Okay. So when you want to like influence another person, most of the time, not all of the time, most of the time it's because you want to help them. I can remember specifically a time in my life when I was, I grew up a Christian and I was like, I think I was like 10 or 12. I don't know. Um, but I was going to church a lot and um, I literally thought my best friend was going to burn in hell for all yeah, of eternity absolutely. if he didn't come to church. So absolutely. I just go over to his house and it's like, Ian, man, like you got to come to church. You got to, you got to say this thing because I love you, man. And I don't want absolutely. you to burn in hell. Like that can't happen. You know, yeah. it's like, you're my best friend. And so the intention is good. Absolutely. And everybody is, is, you know, whether it's religious or a point of view, it's political, um, you know, their intention yeah. is good, but we hunker down and begin to battle on these points of view. When what you're talking about of the seeking understanding is there's actually a real information exchange. Yep. And that is like real and honest and we're learning from each other because yep. there is no right way for everybody. You know, making mistakes is a part of life. Like I, you know, I, I've had the idea of, you know, when I re-listen to these podcasts when I'm, you know, five years uh, or 10 years or something down the road, I'd be like, oh man, you, you're a real dumbass. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm evolving and growing and learning yes. through conversations. I'm learning through life experiences. I continue to grow and I can just be where I am now, but in seeking understanding from my environment, my experiences, my guests, the people I sit to on the plane, uh, yep. conversations yep. in a coffee shop, we're having real human connection. And that's yep. the idea is that when humans can work together and yep. not try to kill each other and not try to force views on someone, just offer a perspective with non-attachment and seek yep. understanding from that other person, both of us are going to evolve. Absolutely. I'm learn from you and you're going to learn from me and we're going to share those, those pieces of information that we, will, we, that we actually want to offer that person. Yeah. It was like, I voted for Trump because of this. And then you get in there and you, and you see, oh, you know what? This is the piece. I see that understanding. You know, I voted for this person because of this. But yeah. really underneath that, both people yeah. want to live good lives. They want to be yeah. free. They want, they want peace. They want yeah. enough food for their family. So let's yeah. you know, get to the real meat and potatoes and start working as communities, um, as good citizens you know, and then work together to, you know, build something, work together rather than always battling. And we can only make friends with this person who's checked off all of these boxes. Like, oh, wait, you go to that hairdresser and yeah. you, know, you wear this style of clothes. That's, we're almost there, but too bad. Oh, you put yeah. 
milk in your car. It's something stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah. So I wanted to just double down on that because I think oh, it's I a really love important it. point on how we, we um, communicate. And so I'll just leave it to you to where you want to, if you want to dive into some of the books, well, I'm sure there's good or you can. Yeah, add I'm going to, all roads will lead to the book, but, um, <laughs> cool. um, but the other thing I wanted to say about that, why we do that. So let me also bring up this point because why we will want to do that instead of just being noble and righteous and saying, oh yeah, I do that. It's because we'll be happier. We'll be happier from that viewpoint. We get happiness when we come from that viewpoint rather than, um, because, and I, this was, uh, I did this post. I don't know what, oh, this is live right now. Okay. I was going to say, I don't know when you're going to air this, but, oh, I guess we're aired right now. Um, but yesterday obviously was September 12th. And uh, I did a Facebook Live about how, and you've probably seen these posts on Facebook about how, let's go back to September 12th, 2001, because everybody pulled together on September 12th in 2001. It didn't matter if you bought Nike shoes or if you, you know, voted for Trump or whatever. Like there was none of that. It was all, we are united. And, and what caused that? united feeling was the horribleness of what just happened. Like it took something that horrible to produce, there's equivalency there. It's something that horrible can produce something so wonderful to the degree that it was horrible. It's wonderful. But the, but the issue is when you come from, when you come into a conversation or any kind of relationship with, um, I'm right, you're wrong. I'm smart, you're dumb. Um, I'm a Christian, you're a sinner, or whatever the specifics are, you're miserable. Like if you if you would let go of take those, take those glasses off, right? And put on the glasses like we just talked about. The the point of that is because I'm gonna feel so much better inside me at the end of that conversation. I didn't convert you to my way, I didn't go to your way necessarily. But man, to your point, human connection is now, now this is going to lead to the book. I can just feel this little thing pulling to the, the principle of the book is why that is human connection is so critical. It's because it's part of our innate survival brain. We have to have connection. We're primates. We cannot survive without our community, with, with a, without a community. And so we desire on that innate, um, DNA wiring, we, we require some connection. So what happens is we get on social media or we get into these um, artificial situations where we're, we're pretending to have interaction. We're pretending or we're putting up a facade, not authentic, not really true, but we want people to think a certain way about us or we want to impress people or we want to not really show the sucky way we feel. So we better keep up, you know, whatever all that is that the social media thing has kind of created. It's the good and the bad of it, right? The both of it. But um, yeah, we lose our human connection and it embeds us deeper into what I call the monster tracks, the tracks of the evidence that how, that there is a month. <laughs> so let me, Matt, do you want to know about what the monster under the bed is? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> this I kind of jumped a little there. segue. Yes, <laughs> it was not a very smooth, but. Um, <laughs> so the monster is the lie. Like, you know, Matt, when you were little, did you ever, were you afraid of the dark or were you afraid of something in your room or closet or, you know, 
anywhere? I'm, I'm afraid of the dark now. And I only realized it's like not, not, and this is a side note, because no. so, yeah, I don't good. know why I'm needing to share this. But uh, when I was training with the Native American elder, like not like a dark room, but like if you put me in like the darkest place in the middle of the forehead, it's like pitch black, then I'm like, oh crap, because you start hearing sounds and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, and so in that environment, fear is a really important part of how you're wired because Pollyanna's didn't make it, you know, like you couldn't sit in the middle of a dark forest and go, um, I'm good. I'm good. Maybe your elder could, maybe he's evolved to that kind of a thing, but, but the fear wiring is for our survival. And so fear is a precursor to death. How we, what we came packaged with our default brain wiring has fear in it because it was it served us well to be mindful and fearful and notice those sounds and and be you know unknown was unsurvival you know it's still wired that way something unknown could be unsurvivable so you know danger danger will robinson get away get away and so when when we're little like i remember being afraid of something under my bed and it, ha it made no logical sense well here's why you're not born with the logical brain yet you don't have a reasoning have you ever tried to reason with a 4 year old it, it, and to your point, my intentions are good. I love you. Can you not understand that there is nothing, honey, under your bed? Let's, there's nothing there. I know that's what you say, but no, I'm sure there is. You know, like it's our, it's our imagination, survival brain that we're born with. So when we start hitting ages of cognition, let's say, you know, three, four, somewhere in there, and you start realizing that you're your own human being, you're not part of your mom's body anymore, you know, those kind of ages. We, you start waking up to some things. Um, the question running in all of us is, for survival, am I okay? Am I okay? Because I have to be to survive. That came default. It's subverbal, it's unconscious, it's not in this part of that brain that's not even fully developed till the mid-20s. So that kid, me, little Kimmy, the only question was, I need food. Okay, feed me because I, be, I need to have that and water and rest and a diaper change. But I have to be okay with y'all here. And, and without the logical reasoning brain, there is absolutely no way we left childhood okay. Because the minute that parent, even well-intentioned, even if they were perfect, which, you know, Usually parents' monsters are still raising their children, but because we don't know that we're being hijacked still by our four-year-old self. Um, but there's no way that kid is going to ever process that they are okay. So, um, okay, I'm going to come up for air right there. Do you have anything? <laughs> yeah, I could, I could add on to that. It made me think of something. Okay. If you want. Well, it, it, it's the same idea, something that I, I talk about a lot with the coaching clients or even, you know, when I go to Burning Man, you know, I just came back from there. It's an amazing experience. And basically the conversation that I have is like, hi, how are you? Who are you? What do you like to do? You know, and like do, the, when you go back to the default world, that's what we call it, the burners call it the default world. It's like, are you happy there? Right. Okay. And yeah. most are not, but there's actually a good percentage of people that are stoked on life in, in the world. And it can be yeah. challenging, which is great. And that's what you hope for. That's what you want to hear. You're like, yes, good. I'm glad life is great for you. That's amazing. But sometimes the conversation is no life sucks. I have to do this and this and this. And the idea that I always get to is that, you know, your conscious mind is basically wired to keep you uh, alive and survive. So you look both ways when you cross the street, uh, all this kind of thing. And so for you to survive, you need to eat. 
for you to eat, you need to make money. So if I say, what would you do if you could do anything? And you're like, oh, I would do, wait, hold on one second. The, the, the mind goes, I'm not gonna let you kill me, dum-dum. I need to go get food. So I, you know, although I wanna do art or music or whatever, I'm gonna do a little bit of this and, and I'm gonna skew it because you can't kill me. But the heart knows it's eternal. You're not gonna die and that's where that risk kind of comes in. So yeah. we're kind of set in this perpetual uh, survival loop on a daily basis with the jobs that we do because we don't wanna die. Now it doesn't mean you gotta quit your job and go um, nuts okay. with it. But if you look at the um, percentages, you're using 95%, 98, high percent of your your time to cycle through the 40 hours a week to do the thing, to do the thing. And you're giving zero to the thing that you want to do. So even if you could get to like 80, 20, 90, 10, 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40, 50, 50, right? Then all of a sudden now you've got energy in that bucket and that is the more expansive bucket, um, not living. And, and your conscious mind only holds five to seven bits of information anyway. So I call it like the limited brain or the dumb-dumb brain. It, it can only handle <laughs> yeah. what's coming in right now. And all that unconscious wiring is like you're talking about is what's driving you. So yep. when you start to look at that and understand it, and then you can actually program it too, which you might talk about. Or- That's, yep. Absolutely. Because when you just said a lot of what you said, you now realize because you're using that brain. You go, oh, well, I've got it. Da, 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 and okay. And the people that you think that you call very happy now in life, probably it's because they have investigated with the brain. That is my, that's really one of the biggest messages of the book is that here's where those thoughts and feelings come from. And it's completely normal because self-judgment, I have 10 monster tracks, by the way, that half the book is just the monster, the tracks of the monster in our life, how they show up, how it shows up, the behaviors, the responses, the reactions, what I do. Well, track number three is self-judgment or judgment in general. Like I'm going to judge others to the degree I judge myself. And we just kill ourselves all the time, all the time. And where does that come from? It comes from the lie that's under the bed, meaning it's like down there with the monster. You don't want to you don't want to face that thing. I remember when I was about eight and I went, my cognitive brain was starting. And it's like about the time you kind of go, wait, is there a Santa Claus, right? Like mm, that doesn't work anymore. Cause I'm using this part of the little brain that I'm developing. But I remember going to look under my bed and going, yeah, okay. So that there's really isn't there, but it's scary to do that. It's scary now as adults because our whole identity, everything to your point, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything that has made us who we are and everything that, see the dogs are getting all worked up too. They love it because they're all like, yeah, yeah, go. Um, But every part of our identity of what makes us tick is based on that lie that the four-year-old little Kimmy embedded. So here's the factors about that. I'm not okay was the only answer really I could come up with emotionally. It was processed emotionally because I didn't say to my, I didn't have that brain to go, oh, okay, with all the data I'm gathering, uh, I've come to the conclusion that I'm maybe not okay. No, it's an emotion felt. And that triggered the survival brain, the limbic brain, the amygdala that says, okay, the only answers the, the survival brain can give you there's like one of two or three or four, depending on which neuroscientist you talk to, but I only identify three in the book. And that is flight, fight, or freeze, right? It doesn't sit there and reason with you. Your amygdala survival brain, because the minute that fear is triggered, that means you could be dying. That's the fear. The feeling of that feeling means run, run, fight, fight, or stand still and hope play dead and hope they don't see you. That's the only messages that part of your brain can send to a little four-year-old. So my premise is, Matt, that flight was the first shame. 
I think it, and this again, this is just my metaphor, go with it if you want. Shame was the very first feeling we felt of I'm not okay. In fact, I was telling this to a lady I sat next to on a plane the other day and we somehow little two-year-olds pooping, you know, came up. So I hope poop, talking about pooping is okay on your show, but you know, you got to poop. It's poop or die, baby. That's sure. why I tell my kids, poop or die. <laughs> anyway, you got to poop. <laughs> anyway, um, but, but it was interesting because we said, oh, like, I don't know if you have kids or if your nieces or nephews or if you've watched little kids about, they're, they're not potty trained, but they can walk. They're starting to develop, you know, this cognition. But guess what they do? All of my kids, I have four, they all did this. They all go hide in a corner behind the couch, under the table. And they cut, and I, I'll go, where are you, Nathan? And his eyes are all blood, you know, red and like he's been grunting. And he was back behind in a corner, in a closet, behind a couch, pooping. But he hid to do it. So this lady and I were talking about this. It's like, yeah, what causes kids to go hide to poop? And she goes, well, maybe because when we change their diaper, this is how little kids process everything is emotionally. Babies even make these emotional connections to things. Like, what do we do when we change a baby's diaper? It's poopy. We go, oh, it's a poop. Oh, stinky, stinky. You know, we don't mean anything by it, but there's some connection emotionally to that thing and that, hmm, hmm, there's something interesting about. It's not like when I, you know, rolled over and they went, yay. No one changes a poopy diaper and goes, yay. You know, we make these other faces and we go, ooh, stinky, stinky. That's just another theory. But it kind of goes along the same line that, that shame is that first feeling of I'm not okay. And that's monster track number one, by the way. And so then we have to be okay, remember, to survive. So the amygdala comes back with fight. Uh-oh, nope, you got to be okay because you got to live. So the fight response, we look around at the family environment we're in and we go, what do these people value? What is valued by these people? For me, it was music and singing and performing. Like I grew up just in a very musical family. So I don't remember ever not taking piano lessons, singing, you know, being in church choir, blah, blah, blah. I was always doing that. And, you know, how many people grew up in athletic families where go, go, be, you know, win, compete, competition. You got to be the best. To your point, your world-class athletes probably have a driving fight response of you've got to win. You can't win. You've got to beat everybody. Some people, there's facets to it that are fascinating. Um, is my internet okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Did I break up? You got a little bit choppy, but you're coming through. You're good now. Okay. So that you got to get straight A's or you, honey, come here. I'm going to teach you how to fold a towel because it's got to be perfect. How many perfectionists? That's monster track number five is perfectionism. These are all built into this package that we grew up with based on basically survival and a lie that said, first and foremost, first, I'm not okay. And then from that lie, came a lot of good things and got, you know, it's, there's no judgment here. It's, it produced both sides of the coin. It produced great skills. I can sing, I can play the piano, I can perform, I can direct. I'm happy about the skills, but it was always based on having to prove that I was special. My little, 
my little variation was special. I needed to be special because my dad left me when I was four. He didn't leave my mom, you see. Another facet little kids think about is it, everything that happens is happening not only to me, but usually because of me. So kids that are divorce or um, sexual abuse or any kind of physical abuse, anything like that, I don't care how much you try to logically tell your children, no, honey, this has nothing to do with you. This has nothing yep, that took this brain they don't have yet. So, I mean, say it doesn't hurt to say it, but they're not going to really get it yet because it's all processed through this illogical kind of half-brained insane little brain that little kids have. There's no, no getting around that yet. You just got to be ready to have them deal with it when they're old enough with this brain to deal with it because that's probably how they've got it wired. So, um, okay. Coming up for air. Awesome. Well, I, yeah, no, I, I agree with all that. And I think it's, it's so good because it's, you got to get right to the root and it's yeah. like, to me that, that seems pretty aligned as, as a, as a, as a root feeling as it gets and, and shame and guilt and all of that kind of stuff is something that I think a lot of people are dealing with, but they don't address it and they don't know where it comes from. And yeah. all of this stuff from childhood, you take that in forever. You know, yeah. like, I, you know, I've worked with yeah. people that are 60 years old, 70 years old. It's the same thing. Now, yep. sometimes they get most when you get older, you know, you're like stuck in your way and you're not, you know, a lot of the time you can definitely change, but they're very rigid in, in their thinking and this is the way. So they don't seek to understand. Um, but those are like, you know, I'm going to start looking at this stuff. It's like the childhood stuff stays with you forever. Yeah. So because and here's, so back to your, uh, another thing that you said, uh, and I can't remember the exact words, but it was during this. Um, so the other facet of our brain, again, that we're, we come packaged with our default. I like that. The default brain is part of it is your reticular activating system, which I, in the book, call mental bloodhounds. And what that, what that, the job of that part of your brain is to filter out because there's so much stimulus, so much data, so much stuff happening. Like, am I, am I digesting food right now? Am I growing hair and fingernails? Like you don't need to be pay attention to any of that. We got you covered. You know, Kim, part of my brain's like, we got that covered, Kim. You don't need to think about that. Um, and so just data that hits our brain and stimulus that hits us, um, that its job is to be the gatekeeper and make sure that you only two things. There's conditioned, um, conditioned, like where's food? I need to know where that is because that's survival. And where's someone to have sex with? Because that's ingrained. That's already part of our procreation instinct. We've, the species needs to keep moving on, you know? So we got to have sex and we got to eat. Um, not necessarily in that order because you have to eat to have sex. So anyway, um, but those are, those are, uh, those are um, intrinsic, like uh, instinctual, things. But then we also program our reticular activating system by what we tell it through emotion that's significant. Um, for example, Matt, do you, do you ever look at a clock and it's similar, the same time all the time that might have some significance to you? Has that ever happened? This happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for me, my anniversary is November 11th. And so 11-11, I swear, every time I looked at a clock, it was 11-11, 11-11. Oh my gosh, it's a cosmic sign. It's 11-11, right? Or, um, or like, this is one that everyone, I, everyone has agreed to this one. Like when you're out buying a car and you, uh, find a red Toyota that you love, you know, and you've decided on it and it's, I'm going to look hot in it. People are going to love me and wish they were, you know, whatever emotion is connected to that decision, right? You have told your brain something through emotion 
something that's significant to you, that means something. So again, this, the, the bloodhound doesn't smell the scent and go, no, 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 no. That's illogical and totally not true. You are unconditionally loved and you are perfect just as you are. No, 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 not taking that. Uh-uh, the four-year-old gives it the scent that says, <gasps> I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. That's emotional, right? It's an emotional signal to the bloodhound. And guess what it has only showed you from then on? All the ways you're not good enough because that's its job. It didn't, it, you never noticed the times. And if you did happen, if someone pointed out a good thing you did or something that you were worthy of or unconditionally loved and worthy about and perfect about, guess what we do? We, we get a compliment or someone says, oh my gosh, you did a really good job on that. Oh yeah, but that's not really me. And I'm not really like, like we downplay it. We don't even accept it because it's not in our truth of who we are. So the bloodhounds have only showed us evidence of what we have told it through emotion as a, in that little childhood brain. That's true. I think we probably would have, you know, this whole thread of, of not being good enough would have probably unraveled as we grew with cognition, kind of like Santa and the tooth fairy, you know, that kind of thing. But the bloodhounds kept bringing it back and it kept renewing, sparking that monster again and again and again and again, which sparks the amygdala that says, no, oh, better prove it better. That's why one of the phrases in the book is you can never get enough of what you never needed to begin with because it was based on a lie to begin with, but we didn't know it. So we adopted it as the truth and we built our entire identity on it. And we can never get enough of it. You can't be perfect enough. You can't be skinny enough. You can't be pretty enough. You can't win enough. You can't make enough money ever because you never needed to do that at all to begin with. So, but you don't know that. So that driving and people, Matt, you know them, they, they burn up. Their lives burn up. Their relationships burn up. And that's why, that's the message really overall of my book is now look at it with this brain because now that's who I'm talking to right now. And you don't even know that that's who's hijacked you emotionally as your four-year-old. You don't really realize that. You just think, oh, no, yeah, I had a rough childhood. But even people that didn't have a rough childhood didn't escape this because it made no sense. But you don't know that that's who did that initial wiring, that you've been a product for the good and the bad. Like it's a positive and negative thing. It's not all bad. But you need to look at the energy source now and go, wait, is this monster energy? Not to be confused with the drink. Is this a monster energy source I'm running from right now that's out to prove something or flight like I'm not good enough and I'm going to go hide over here and I'm going to sabotage like what you talked about with the, with the racers, you know, like they can't be good enough. So guess what? It's more important that their truth be upheld about not being okay. So they'll just trip or they don't even know what they did, but they did it because they can't win to prove their lie right. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I, I totally agree with that. And I think it's so spot on. It's because it's basically like you're talking about now, like a default operating system and uh, mm -hmm. how you're processing reality. Yes. And you can actually change that. Yes. Um, and so you got a little bit like I, it, I got most of it, but I want to make sure all the listeners heard, like when you're using the analogy of the car, like if you can just explain. Oh, I didn't finish that. Sorry. Okay. Okay, cool. Cause it's just like, well, how basically like very short, like how we're wired to process through that amygdala. And then if you could go into 
because I'm curious myself, I want to know more of the monster tracks. And then how the heck do I switch that processing? Because I know, even with the work that I've done in personal development, NLP, things like this, you know, you can always dive in and, you know, manipulate the coding even more, even more, even more. And you know, if it's working by how you feel and how you navigate what's going on in your world. So mostly I'm okay. Um, but one of the podcasts, it was like, are you thrilled to be alive? And I was like, honestly, you asked me in the summer, I was like, I'm not thrilled because I've been working my ass off and I want to go skateboarding and do these other things. Um, but it was a cool process for me to dive in on, on that thing. So I think that this is, again, a really valuable um, self-inquiry. And even just that as yes. a process, you know, going going into the self-inquiry, going into looking how uh, you think, because that five to seven bits of information, the consciousness, you can direct that. And, and it's important to direct it into that wiring that's going on in this infinite abyss of your own mind of all the craziness and the judgment and the criticisms. And, but I would say a lot of that work for me, and I think for most people is all of that crap that we're giving ourselves, judging ourselves, criticisms, not being good enough. You know what I mean? Comparison, fear of food and finding a mate. And most of it is nonsense. So the more I can clear that out, the more I'm thrilled to, um, you know, give these things a a try. So I'm curious if you can speak on that. Well, let me go back to the car real quick, because I don't think I finished that. That's kind of, I leave open windows here and there and I got to go close them. But so the car thing, like that's your reticulate, that's your bloodhounds, because the minute you've said, I want a red Toyota or something, right? That car, for whatever emotional reasons you came to, now you start seeing them everywhere. So you go, wow, did everyone just decide to buy a red Toyota at the same time? No, they were always there. You just didn't see it. There's another truth to all of you. Like, listen closely. There's another truth. That's the real you. The real truth was that you are intrinsically, unconditionally perfect and lovable and worthy and acceptable right now. You always were. But this brain, you didn't have this brain to understand that. To your point, now we use this brain. Now we know how we're wired. To your point, we, we can go hack it. I call them men, mental ninja moves. Like I love NLP, right? I just became a <laughs> practitioner. I love it. I can go in and hack it. I can go hack it and rewire like that. It's crazy good. And new evidences start showing up. Evidences that I program to be true emotionally, Because what fires together wires together. That is Hebb's law. What fires, my theory, is emotion. Emotion is that firing. The minute you tell it something emotionally, not cerebrally, it doesn't matter what you tell it that you know, oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. It doesn't make a hill of beans. It's emotionally felt and processed. Whatever that has, you've told that to your brain, it it fires. And then repetition wires. That's job of showing you all the evidence that you've told is true emotionally, it will always tell you, can you hear me? Cause my internet, sorry, I'm in a weird monkey place, but, um, the wiring is what does over time. So that's what your neural pathways, your emotional pathways have been. Uh, and we're products of our emotions. You guys, we're not products of our cerebral brain. Honestly, our cerebral brain now, like what I'm doing, I'm talking to the, the prefrontal cortex. I'm talking to that right now to make you number one, get some emotional relief that this is not your fault and you don't suck. And this is not about you being bad. It's just, you didn't know you were hijacked. Now, you know, and now to your point, Matt, there are rewiring. And I talked the last part of the book obviously goes into some, and I'm like you, I'm still learning. I'm still learning and check with me in a year to find some more cool tools that can help rewire because it is 
fantastic. If you don't like what's showing up in your life, your heart, your emotions, your relationships, in your world, you actually can, um, it's going to take some, it's going to produce some emotions of fear for you because it's like running to the roar. It's like lifting up the bedspread of the bed going scary because, because your identity is so entrenched in that it's, it's your identity. I had one person tell me, Kim, don't tell me there's not a monster under there. I'm like, really? Why? She goes, because my whole life will be based on a lie. I go, yeah. And, and it takes guts. Some of the people listening to this right now aren't in enough pain to do this work because I find that until you're, you're done with the pain of whatever it is right now and blame that's monster track 10. And that's not, I'm not these, most of these monster tracks are not in any given order. One is shame. And I believe that is like two is people pleasing, which is absolutely a monster track. Cause that's how we had to survive. We had to make these people happy. It's just when you're 45 and still have to make your mom happy. That's, you know, where it becomes a little dysfunctional there and you need to rewire that. But those monster tracks, when you take responsibility for your life and you go, okay, yep, it makes sense now. That makes sense. Using this brain, you investigate, inquiry, you said. I love that word. Awareness is a huge piece of it. So, yeah, it's very cool to see these, these things just fall away from people. And they put these new glasses on. They feel this new feeling inside themselves of their worth, of who they are. Oh, everything shows up differently. It's so cool. I love all that. And I 100% agree with everything that you're saying. And I think it's extremely powerful work. And when you touched on um, the courage to look at it, what if your life were based on a lie? And that is a big, gigantic punch right into the face in the worst way. And it's hard, you know, if you, what if, you know, and, and, and if you have the courage to look at that, you know, I applaud you and I, and I invite you to, because, you know, let's say you have, and it's, and, and I think that we could reframe that. And I think we should try that right now. Okay. Um, how do we reframe that? Because it's not a lie and it wasn't wrong. You were, you no. were hijacked. It wasn't, it, you know, there's like this free will piece, but I think that there's like, you have an opportunity now through awareness to upgrade. Yeah. And when yeah. you do upgrade all of that, point of your life where you weren't in full control of your unconscious motivations in your cultural programming, whether from parents or your environment or things like that. Um, when you go to the other side and you start to rewire and you start to choose and create more from within yourself and not, and not environmentally based, yeah. um, all of that experience and that knowledge and that pain and, and everything that you learned will be of value. And I, from what I've seen of people coming to the other side is nobody regretted that thing. They might've said it was awful and it was hard and it sucked, but it was necessary to get them to where they were. So although that initial shock of analyzing everything and your motivations and the challenge is like, it's going to be, you know, based on motivations that you were not conscious of, um, the reward is, is more magical and, and greater than you can imagine. So, you know, to try to like take out the sting of like, if we could reframe it NLP on like how this could be a good thing, you know, it's just like, well, because the fear of it is always worse than the reality of it. The reality of it is you're going to flip and love it. It's going to be like, woo, you know, a million pounds off your soul. You're going to love it. But initially, like right now, people that hear me, I have chapter three, it talks about the monster's chatter and the thoughts that just, the fear thoughts that run us 
Like right now, like if you know there's something that you have a sense that is running you that isn't in a certain area, like shame, for example, there are so many people. I had a son that came out gay in a very religious uh, organization. That's, he lived in shame his entire life because he did not, uh, because he wasn't okay. You know, like that's an example of shame that drives every decision of your life from then on. And so the fear of what will happen when people find out I'm gay, I'm just using this as an example, but it happens all the time in all different kinds of arenas I've discovered. Um, but, and he's very open about it. So I don't, this is not a, you know, he's, he's out now and, and he's, he loves, he's working on this monster stuff on his own head, but, but the fear of coming out was so horribly gut-wrenching because all the what-ifs play in your mind because the brain, again, is wired for survival. And when it feels that fear, you might not survive. Those are real wirings in your brain. If you don't investigate and run to the roar from a new decision, that that's going to be my answer to peace. Am I, tired of the, am I tired of the inner horrible conflict that I'm in right now trying to, number one, deny myself about who I am because that's where it kind of starts. I can't be okay with myself based on what I have these beliefs about me. And then what will people think about me if I come out and how will it hurt people? How will it hurt my family? How will it hurt, you know, all that. But the fear of that is so much worse. It's like pulling a tooth. It's like pulling a tooth. Remember pulling a tooth when you were a kid? No, no, don't pull it, no, but it's hurting. Oh, no, but don't pull it. My grandpa would go, come on, Kimmy, let me just pull your tooth. No, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. But the minute he pulled it, guess what? It's like, oh, thank you. It feels so much better. It's like pulling a tooth. You think it's going to be horrible, but you're, and you're more familiar with the pain you're in. It's familiar pain. So your brain has you convinced that you're going to go to a place that's going to be your, so you're comfortable more. That's what I'm saying. It takes a degree of pain. And when you're not, then you're not going to, you're not going to be motivated to run to the roar, to face it, even with, but I'm giving you stuff right now to your point, reframing. I'm giving you stuff for this brain going, it's just going to hurt like giving birth, right? Like I had to, I was in a lot of pain giving birth, but there was only one way out, only no one, <laughs> nothing to it, but to do it. No other, no other answer. So, but at the end of that process, you get a cool little human being that you created, right? But you go through the pain. So if you're willing to go through some fear pain, which is really mostly in your mind only, it's not really going to happen that way. You're going to feel so much better. Um, then you do it or you wait to another train wreck in your life and then that might be enough pain and then you're willing. It's just a, no judgment. It's how we all are about it. Don't you think? Yeah. Yep. A hundred percent. I think that a lot of people will transform in their lives. You know, when, when, when life was one way and now it's another way, a lot of times it came through some sort of pain or trauma or massive life change. And yep. sometimes I equate it to like, you know, you've got this like tether between you and source on a string and that's like who you are like actually and what you enjoy to do. And we go and we, we, create resistance by doing stuff out of fear that we don't want to do and we hate our life and we just keep pulling and pulling and pulling and doing and we know we don't want to do it but we're stuck and we can't help it and then sometimes the that string just goes poof and it explodes everything to try to help yep. you to like yep. here just start here you're fine just start here you're fine yep. Um, and so I think a lot of people have come, you know, through trauma and, and, you know, it's, yeah, the pain has got to get, 
to a degree. Ideally not. Ideally, you can find the, the motivation for, for where you yeah. are to just to begin to reflect and do these things. And um, one of the things that it made me think about is that, you know, I've, I've, I'm sure that they'll come up with, they might already have it now, but I'm sure it'll come soon. If you could like project all of your unconscious thoughts on a piece of paper and then have it analyzed and you could look at, you know, I repeat this thought. Yep probably 400 times a day, you know, yep. this theme comes up, you know, 60% of my programming and, yep. and it's most likely going to be the shame, the guilt, the not good enough, the, the yep. worry, the anxiety, comparison, comparison, yeah, exactly. judgment, and none of it is going to serve you. And all of that is mental energy, like real, actual, tangible energy that creates your reality and life you experience. And if yep. you can begin to shift those, you will literally change the reality life experience that you were going through. Yep. And so when you look at that, you're freeing up all of that space now to then input what you would prefer and you become a deliberate creator. You don't get to create everything. You know what I mean? Like I think there's a, there's a balance with law of attraction and manifestation and things like that. Um, I, you definitely- But you can respond to everything. A hundred percent. You have control of your response. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you you a hundred exactly. That's how you. Yeah, I agree with that. You don't always choose what happens, but you can always choose how you respond, and you can yeah. influence you through your decision and through your actions and through like like through all those different things. But a lot of people, you know, when we're in this fear trap, we're stuck in it. And we can't yeah. change anything, right? Yeah. So it's not like, oh, okay, cool. I wishful think this thing and it all happens magically. No, yeah. right? Now I'm influencing yeah. it. I'm creating in a direction that I'm choosing. Shit's going to happen to me. Now I recognize I get to choose how I respond to it, which, which is now within my free will, um, which yeah. changes the whole game of when you realize, you know, that. Um, and then that's how you get step by step by step. And so I wanted to touch on, cause I, I know that you got to go soon. Yeah. Um, and so I'll listen to you speak all day because this is really amazing and important stuff. I'm wondering if you can touch on just some of the ways, like, you know, we, you use the word self-actualization and that's the highest part of uh, Maslow's needs. Um, and it's really important either speak on that or like, what are some ways that you could share more of the tracks if you want, but like practical examples for people to apply this, to begin changing their coding, um, to, to experience, you know, higher realms of freedom. And then as a side note, I was thinking that, um, you know, you can touch on it if you want, but anxiety and depression is a real problem. And I know that this, I know exactly if you go through this work, it's going to, it's going to help that. Um, but if you choose, you can speak on that as well. So I just wanted to yeah. throw all, throw well, all of that. <laughs> okay. I'll drill it all, wrap it up. But no, because it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not a quick conversation, but the bottom line is, yeah, we are products of how we have been, um, wired emotionally. So what I'm not, what I'm, I'm hesitant because I know there are people who are really, really, uh, or say they are, and I, I'm not, I withhold judgment because it's not an agree, disagree place for me about depression and anxiety. It's real. And so was my monster under the bed. It was real. And it produced real physical, actual heart racing, blood pressure, sweat. It was a real physical thing. So I, I don't want to push anybody's button about, you know, that it's a medical condition and I can't help it because I'm, there probably are those two. I'm just wondering, and when someone's willing to look at that, those issues and go, okay, and be open and not just go back to a liner. There's, I talk about a liner and observer. 
aligner of the aligner, every emotion starts with a thought. So when you have a feeling, it came from a thought, you're just not aware of it. To your point, it's so familiar and it's in those pathways so fast and it's just repeated, repeated, repeated after day. So we're used to it. And we're also, there's an addiction to these emotions. We're addicted to cortisol. We're addicted to adrenaline. I was, I built my entire seven figure income business with massive monster energy adrenaline. And I had to be go, 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 go. And I was burning up, but it was that fight response that was pushing that. So all of these are playing into chemicals in your body. Can thoughts impact chemicals in your body? Absolutely. Absolutely. For yes, you know, for the thing that serves you and the things that kill you both ways. So I'm just going to touch on, leave that kind of there. Like those are possibilities. And if you're willing to look, if that is a case for you, then there's, then there's some work to do for you. Like there's some ideas of hope actually reframe. It's a hope. Like I can be free of this. Absolutely. I've seen it happen. Um, and what was the other thing you said? Oh, self-actualization. So I believe that awareness, awareness is, um, pure awareness is really the top in my mind, that's another word for self-actualization. Like I'm aware without judgment because people that say, Kim, I can't handle too much awareness and awareness alone can kill you, but it's only because you go right from awareness to judgment, awareness to judgment, and you beat yourself up because of what you've become aware of. So it, it, that's not the path. But when you go to awareness as an observer without judgment, even when I meditate, Matt, like I've noticed, I can go so much deeper in a meditation if when my mind wanders, which it does all the time, like those of you who say you can't meditate because your mind wanders, well, duh. But when I judge that mind wanders, I give up. I'll go, yeah, screw it. I talk to these people and they'll say, I can't do it. I can't meditate. That's because they judge. Um, if you can be an observer and go, and almost go into denial when your mind wanders. Go into denial when things happen, your thought processes happen. Don't go there emotionally. Don't align. This look at them as like little clouds floating by. The minute you attach and go, oh yeah, see, 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 metal bloodhounds, they're going to bring it to you. And you just go, okay, interesting. Hmm. I go right back into my breathing or whatever I'm doing in my meditation. I go so much deeper right now. Like I can, it's almost like, please let a thought come so I can avoid it and deny it so I can go deeper in my meditation. That's almost how I have myself wired because I know if I don't align with it and judge myself, that's the 99% of it right there is like, then I, yeah, because those were just old. That's my former, those are my former, those are muscle memory of my former wiring that still shows up here and there. And I get to still make new decisions with this part of my brain. I don't know if that answers your question, but that's what no, came to me. Well, it, it does partially. Um, okay. and, and I think it's a, no, a really a great thought because the way that I equate that is that you, as the thoughts come by, and this is daily life, and meditation is just a practice of observing what we're thinking all the time, and you realize yes. how nuts the thoughts are, but also not to judge them because everybody's getting a flood of thoughts. We're, we've just, we're basically filtering through something that we're <laughs> We can't comprehend. The reality is right. just so vast. And so the mind is just trying to kind of figure it out. But what we do is it's like we're hooked like fishing lines. So the thought comes and then, you know, you're, you get attached like a hook and then you get to get dragged. And this is dragging yep. yourself through the muck of like this attachment and judgment and things like that. And so you could just let go, you know. So to your yep. point of meditation, 100%, where 
you know, I med- I've meditated for a long time, for a long period of time. And uh, I sometimes my meditations are just me thinking craziness. Exactly. But you're watching your thoughts, right? Like, you know, you do. So it's like, yeah. oh, those are crazy. Okay, good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then over time you get those empty spaces and that's the idea It's just to learn to observe because you're, you just take that practice each and every day. And you don't even, you know, you could do a walking meditation just while you could do anything that holds your focus. So um, I think that's important. Um, so I, again, want to be respectful of your time. I'm just curious if you want to uh, share anything else um, and, and maybe like your best, uh, I th- you, you addressed on some of this, but do you have like uh, a preferred tactic or best way to begin the process of self-inquiry um, and using all this stuff to rewire so that the monster under the bed and those things aren't running us? Yeah. Just like what we just talked about, be just, if all you do to start with right now is here's, here's an example of what it would feel and sound like instead of thinking your thoughts are true. Like, I'm fat. I'm fat. That is an example of aligning with a thought. Because what does that produce? That produce judgment, comparison shows up, like all kinds of crap shows up emotionally for you, right? You hate yourself, basically. If you would shift just that, this is just an example. Um, if you shift that to, hmm, based on how you feel, because the feeling is going to show up first before you've identified that that was the thought. You're going to feel the feeling, I think, first. And when you feel that feeling of crap, like I feel like a pile of crap right now because I'm fat. Oh, I had a thought. Isn't that interesting how I thought I was, isn't that interesting how I thought I was a pile of crap because I'm fat? That was the thought was I'm fat. Oh, that doesn't mean it's true. Can you be fat? Yes, but does being fat mean you're a pile of crap? No, the interpretation of the thought is what leads to that emotion of judgment. You interpret it. You could be fat. I'm fat. I got some fat on me. I got cellulite. I got, you know, saggy stuff. I'm so what I got. I'm so thankful for my amazing flipping body, right? Like you can be um, gratitude shifts energy shift to, I am thankful for my cellulite. I've had four babies. Oh my gosh. I've co-created life. I'm so flipping awesome. And I got cellulite. And I love myself. I love my body. Now, if you can't start with that full-fledged, start with, I'm thankful I have a pinky. I'm thankful I have a big toe because I would not be able to walk. I'm thankful for whatever you can shift. Find a thought that you can align with that produces gratitude. Start with gratitude about little, little things that you can start shifting. Because I'm telling you, you're on a spiral. It goes spiral, 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 down, down, down. Once you start on that, and you can spiral another way now that you can choose, but gratitude's one way. Stop aligning. Look at what the interpretations of your thoughts that what you I'm fat, that means I suck. No, it means I'm fat. So what? I'm blonde. Does that mean I'm dumb? No. But to see this like dumb blonde, well, I'm not dumb, but I'm blonde. So, okay. So I'm fat. I'm not dumb. I'm not a pile of crap. I'm not a worthless piece of a human being. And my husband loves me, even if I'm fat. You know, and I just try to find things that I can shift energy from and not align. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense in a, a hilarious way. As I try to laugh my butt off here, I had to put on mute. But yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I think that's really valuable. And I am excited to read your book. Uh, you know, I get a lot of people that come on and I think that what you're doing is super valuable because you got to always get to the root. Got to get to the roots. And then from there, you can plant the seeds that you want to plant. 
and yep. NLP is a good process. And yep. it sounds like, you know, and everybody's dealing with this. Um, and this is a way to deal with it. It seems in a very practical way. And the monster tracks are, you know, it's, it's basically Zen lessons. And that's what I think, you know, a lot of people like you who are really getting it, um, is it's like, look, these are old concepts and we're, yeah. we're, we're bringing them forth in a very yeah. powerful way. And we're understanding them in a different way because we're dealing with things differently than it used to be. And we're adding in, you know, science and things like that. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, now we can add this piece to shift yeah. that. So I can already sense that um, just from our conversation that the book is a very powerful read um, and it will be a great collection for my personal development stuff. So I'm excited to, to dive thank in and, and go deeper. So thank you for writing the book, for sharing, for, you know, sharing this message because it's so important. And it's not out yet, by the way. We haven't oh. asked about that. So let me just tell you that. Like it's, oh. uh, I know. Sorry. So don't go search for it. You won't find it. <laughs> Sorry. But you can wait. go to Kim, kimfisk.com and sign up for to be notified. It's, um, I had a website train wreck about two months ago. So I've been recovering from that and not going to judgment about that. But um, you can just go sign up for to know about it when it's coming out. October 10th is the projected launch date of the ebook and the print. I did do the Audible, though. I did my own Ooh, recording. So that's nice. cool. I'm excited about that. I'm not sure when that for sure will be out. But October 10th, and you can just go sign up now at Kim Fisk. And Fisk, I think I bought both domain names in case someone doesn't uh, spell it right. But it does have an E, F-I-S-K-E, and um, .com. So, but Matthew, th Matthew, thank you so much for having me on. <laughs> Matt. And uh, I really, this is, you've been my, this is really a fun podcast because we've just been visiting and I love that. So. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you and your work and I thank you for the kind words and I'm excited to read your book. So that's part of it. I wrote a book as a huge pain in the ass and like the website train wrecks. It's just all part of the oh, fun. So part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing work. Well, thank you so much. Please stay in touch and um, appreciate everybody for watching. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, there it is. The absolutely amazing Kim Fisk. I really love that episode. All of her knowledge and her, um, not strategies, but like her, her insights were just bang on. They're really perfect. And they were the core meat and potatoes of these underlying driving factors. And we need to uncover those so we can have and reach our highest our highest potential. Because if we have these limiting beliefs and these, um, all these things running in the background, these programs, and we haven't identified them or addressed them, we will self-sabotage. That's how it works. It's kind of annoying that way. Um, so we need to learn how to identify our limiting beliefs. And if uh, you need some more help doing that, and uh, you know, you want to reach out to me, I am happy to help you do that because um, you can code um, your own beliefs. Once you identify your limiting beliefs, you can code in the beliefs you want. You can actually do that. It's amazing um, and it's very important and it's necessary in all successful people in sports. They're either doing it consciously or unconsciously. Um, so if you need some help with that, reach out. If you like this episode, please share it. It helps all share everywhere, social media. But the most important thing that you can do is take the kindness challenge. Hashtag kindness challenge makes sense why do we need to have be challenged to kindness i don't know it's ridiculous but let's make it viral and just do it anyway so if you do it please just hey say hey matt i'm taking the kindness challenge you're like frick yeah you are thank you you're getting it so if you want to support the podcast is the best thing you can do three acts of kindness a day uh for seven days in a row and go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody um other than you're taking the kindness challenge the idea is you don't want to boast about it like look at how kind i am that's not the idea so you can say you're doing the kindness challenge and you give an example but just don't be an a, a 
a-hole about it. You're not really that kind. You know, you're doing it to be cool. It's not the same thing. Um, so you can get someone's name. That counts. Pick up a piece of trash. Let somebody in in traffic. Write a nice letter. Pay it forward. You can volunteer your time. You can go above and beyond. You can do whatever the heck you want. Just do three kind acts a day. Go out of your way to do it. Um, and you are amazing for doing that. And if you do that, I know that you are you embody all of the podcasts. You embody all of these teachers. You embody the spiritual masters and Jesus, Buddha, Mother Teresa, I kid you not. I have learned recently by studying with David Lombert, Senapas, Native American elder, um, really, you know, a whole nother level of spiritual master. And it just simplified it for me. It wasn't about getting out of my body, floating on the cloud, being a Zen monk, which I've tried all those things and they're all great and good. Um, the spiritual master does three kind acts a day and he doesn't expect anything in return. And that makes so much sense. It doesn't matter what you believe, how aligned your chakras are, what crystals you're wearing, um, how sweet your yoga poses are, although friggin' yoga poses can be super sweet. Um, if you can do double backflips on your snowboard, it really does not matter because if you do an act of kindness, that's embodying a spiritual teaching and you don't need anything. A kid can do that and that's really pure and that's honest and that makes sense to me. So be a spiritual master today and do three kind acts and be a spiritual master for a week. Do three kind acts and that's the kindness challenge. So please take that. Let me know you're taking it. Challenge your friends to take it. Um, you know, just do that. That's great. And it seems like a good way to help people. Um, if you want, you can reach out at, um, or get a, go to mattbelair.com and sign up for the email list. And if you go forward slash lucid dreaming, you got yourself a free lucid dreaming audio and ebook, teach you how to lucid dream. Cause that's cool. Uh, Zen athletes, great book. You should probably buy that and give it to somebody. You don't have to buy it, but it's a really good book. Um, and if you want like an ebook, I can send that to you, but it's, uh, it's awesome. And I'm trying to help kids, you know, learn all this stuff because kids aren't all messed up yet. Uh, we're just in the process of messing them up through our, you know, what we know and culture. And I'm probably, I hope that I'm giving you guys good information. I don't freaking know. Um, I hope, <laughs> I hope of teaching you to think for yourself and to be kind. Um, that's a good intention. So anyway, nobody really knows what's going on. I don't, um, but I've gotten sidetracked here. Um, anything else? Sign up for the email list. That's good. The book. Uh, let's just close it out. Yeah. Close it out. You're amazing. I apologize for the rambling. And uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence and send it out to all the people we love, all the people we hate, the entire universe, uh, past, present, future, and for generations to come. But most importantly, put yourself into a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, all the self-doubts, and all the self-criticisms. Letting them go. Taking in one more deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath and just making the firm commitment to be loving and kind to yourself and compassionate to yourself. As you imagine one thing that you're really grateful for. Just connect to that one thing. Could be your eyesight. Could be your legs. Could be having a vehicle. Could be a house. Just one thing. Could be a parent. Could be a loved one. Just really connect to that feeling of gratitude as you let that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the worries, and all the things that just are not as important as you think. Just let them go and remember how powerful and multidimensional and eternal you are. Taking in one more deep breath in through the nose, magnifying that feeling of gratitude and of empowerment and yourself as a divine creator being. And just I want you to send that energy out to your friends, to your family, your loved ones, to the to your community and I want you to see that energy pulse out from your heart to your country to the entire world just pulsing this magnetic powerful positive energy and I'm sending you all of my love and my energy and my support and my well wishes 
and all of my encouragement for you to remember that you're amazing, whole, perfect, harmonious, incredible, just as you are. You're a divine being. Uh, we do make mistakes, but uh, you know it's a, about the perspective. So remember that no matter what you do, you're good enough, that you are divinely supported, you are divinely created, you are incredible. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being on the planet. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that you have an incredible day, and I will see you in the next episode.